Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 176 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Michelle Parker, and I have to say something right off the bat. I'm literally here with Michelle Parker because Michelle is someone who I met through the intermittent fasting world. She started off just as a group member, and then another friend got to know her through the group, Sherry, who I do the Life Lessons podcast with, and Sherry said, hey, I think Michelle would make a great moderator, and I was like, all right, come on board, so then Michelle came on board as a group moderator, and we've gotten to know each other. And she's been to my house, and we had the moderator retreat back in 2019, and she is here with me at Myrtle Beach. 
staying in my little beach cottage. So literally, Michelle is here with me. Michelle normally lives in Nashville, Tennessee, where she is an executive headhunter. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Literally. Literally having you at the beach. I have never recorded with someone who is here with me face-to-face. It was so close we could reach out and touch each other, so that's a lot of fun. I do want to say right off the bat, before I forget, that whenever we talk about you being a headhunter, I think of Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. It's not that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what I do is I partner with mainly private equity firms, and I help them to identify executives for the companies that they own, so mainly like the CFO or chief operating officer, and then the positions reporting directly to that. Yeah, that's way better than the Gilligan's Island version. Did you ever watch Gilligan's Island and see the headhunters on there? Well, years ago, but I think I was a little too young to remember. I'm older than Michelle. Just a bit. (laughs) Just a titch. Just a titch. Well, even though we're here together, I'm going to start the way I always do. What brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? So I first started intermittent fasting in January of 2019, and I was at the point in my journey where I had tried everything under the sun. I was that person who was always on the next new diet, like paleo or even keto and then the next thing. And I mean, I was that person who I'd probably been on a diet since I was 14 years old. And I was really in this mindset of even when I was at my leanest, I could never be thin enough. And it was January of 2019. I had just gotten back from a Christmas vacation with a friend. And I was probably at the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. I was just even though you had been dieting. Yeah. And tried all the diets. We diet ourselves right up to that heaviest weight. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'd moved to Nashville a few years before that. And over those few years, I'd gained about 30 pounds. And no matter what I did, it just came back. And I'd never encountered that. And I remember getting back from that trip. And I had a a girlfriend who'd done intermittent fasting. And she told me about it a year before. And, you know, she just loved it. And, you know, when I first heard about it, I just didn't think it was for me. And I was just at this point where something told me that it was, my answer. And so I reached out to her and I got advice for how to start. And she led me to your podcast originally, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. And I listened to a bunch of episodes. And then I was the person who I just kind of do everything a hundred percent. Right. I get that. Yeah. So I dove right in and I started right away with like 24 and yeah, it just... Snowballed from there. I love that. Mm-hmm. So January of 2019, when you heard about it, it just felt different that time yeah. than it had the time before. Well, I knew a bit about it, and I knew some of the good reasons why it might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'd fasted a bit through other diets that I'd done, and so I knew some of the signs behind it, but not all of it. I had done some extended fasts before. Okay. So when I came to it, I came to it a little bit warm to the subject, but I just never thought that one meal a day right. could be the right fit for me. But I'm a big person too, who I like to understand the why behind things. So once I really dove in mm-hmm. and I listened to your podcast and that just cemented to me that, yeah, this could be really good. Then I read the book. And, Delight out deny. Yes. Yeah. And then I read Jason Fung's book and the dots connected and 
I knew like this is going to be the right thing for me. And all of a sudden it felt like a lifestyle instead of just something that you would just do a little bit and then stop doing. Exactly. Once it all gets cemented as a lifestyle, you know, you're not going to stop. You're just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. I think that makes all the difference. It did for me when it finally clicked that it was a lifestyle and not something I was just doing for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Then you come to peace with it in a different way that you hadn't before. Yes. I think that the knowing the why and the knowing that this really could be a rest of my life thing. Right. That's when everything came together. And then I thought everybody should intermittent fast, of course. <laughs> I of course. Too. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Unless you are pregnant, breastfeeding, or if you have a diagnosed eating disorder and you know that it makes you worse. Mm -hmm. Other than that, check with your doctor if you're not sure, but for the most of us, it leads to health. You know, I like to say it's the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Exactly. So you found Mm -hmm. the groups. When did you join the groups? Um, It was probably a month in. Okay. Then I joined the groups. And I'll tell you, when I first started intermittent fasting, I did start it with more of a mindset of a diet right. in a lot of ways. Me too. I did. With the mindset that I'd had my whole life mm-hmm. of, I hate my body. How can I make it smaller? I hate my body. How can I make it smaller? And right. I was the person who at first it was white knuckling it up until my window opened. Mm-hmm. And then it was, well, what can I eat to make my body smaller? And I think when the real mindset shift happened for me is when it was about a month in mm-hmm. and I had a session with my therapist at the time. And it was one of those tear felt therapy sessions where I laid it all out on the line. And I shared my frustrations with, you know, my diet, my right. weight. And I mean, keep in mind, I was not a very heavy person ever. I was probably like a size 10 then, right. you know, like I was not like a fat person by any means. I was but you didn't feel person. good in your body. I did not feel you good. You felt like you needed to change it. I did. Mm-hmm. I felt not good in my own body. And my therapist looked at me and, you know, she said, Michelle, like, I'm really concerned because it's like something's not connecting. Right. And she said something to me that I'd read in an Instagram post before, but then it just really didn't click. She said something along the lines of it's really hard to heal a body that you hate. Oh yeah. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And she was so right. Mm -hmm. And she suggested at that point that I listened to this podcast interview and it was um, Hillary McBride on the Jen Hatmaker show. I love Jennifer Hatmaker. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was all about body shame. And she had written this book and it was about the relationship between mothers and daughters. And you know, she talked about these women who had such a good relationship with their body and how they did. And I, it just was really enlightening to me. And it made me realize that, I mean, I was coming at this the total wrong way. Right. My whole life, I was the person who was on the Weight Watchers and I would kick my butt into gear at the gym, all with this mindset of how can I make my body smaller? And I mean, where in life do we ever look to make ourselves smaller? And where in life is that a good thing? You're exactly right. And we've been really trained as women that we need to have a certain kind of body, needs to look a certain way, fit in our clothes a certain kind of way. And it's been hard. We all have, you know, quote, trouble areas and they have potions and lotions that they will sell to us and cosmetic procedures they want to do to get us that perfect body. Mm -hmm. 
And we're so caught up in that negative paradigm that we do begin to become our own worst critics. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. We are our own worst critics to the point that, you know, you and I have been here at the beach. We've been out on the beach. I'm not looking around at the other women and judging their bodies in any way. Are you? Never. And I'm also loving watching the people just being full of joy on the beach. And they don't seem to be judging their bodies either. I'm not. They're not. The children are not. We're just here loving our bodies and enjoying what they can do. Exactly. And so for me, once I realized that, right. well then, I mean, the groups were great because I connected with Sherry, right. our friend Sherry. It was just a whole mindset shift for me. It was not so much, well, what can I do to make my body smaller? Mm-hmm. It was, how can I serve my body? How can I heal my body? And how does eating this make me feel right or how does fasting like this make me feel you know when i eat this food how does my body react and how can i best serve my body by what i'm doing from an exercise perspective and that led me down a whole journey where you know it was kind of a science experiment in a way like i was really intrigued to understand my genetics and i went and did the 23 me genetics test to understand what foods my body responded best to. And I did the biome test. And, and that's your gut, right? Yeah. And do you send, send in a, like a stool sample? Yep. Mm-hmm. One of those sexy. Yeah. It's it really hot. Really hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It was a whole different mindset shift, which led me down this whole journey. And a lot of things happened along the way which I know you're aware of, right? which was also just all a part of what brought me to this point today. So tell us about some of that. So you mm-hmm. you had not done your genetic testing then until mm-hmm. you were already in the intermittent fasting world and you were curious about what foods might work better for your body or what you could learn. Yes. But did you learn some surprising things? Spoiler I alert, did. I do already know I the did. answer to the question. So what did you learn that might have surprised you? So the reason why I originally did the genetic test, it was for the food thing. But right. then also I was wondering if I had an MTHFR mutation. Mm-hmm. Because early on in my journey, I also consulted with a functional registered dietitian who made me aware that one of the reasons why all of a sudden over the past few years I've been gaining weight and not been able to lose it may have been because of my breast implants. I got breast implants a few years before. And ever since I got them in, I had all this inflammation, all these inflammation issues. So I was also curious about that. And one thing that came out of the genetics test that I did not expect is I found out that I have a genetic mutation, which makes me very predisposed to certain cancers, including breast cancer and ovarian cancer. I have a BRCA mutation. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. 
Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So tell them, people that might not know what that is, tell them a little bit more about that. So the BRCA mutation, essentially, everybody has a BRCA gene. And the BRCA gene, and essentially, if it's functioning properly, my understanding is it makes it so you're not as prone to develop tumors. And I have a SNP on certain BRCA genes, which make it so I'm more apt to develop tumors in my mm-hmm. breast and my ovaries, and it increases my lifetime risk for breast and ovarian cancer. Breast to like 80 to 90 percent, and ovarian, I think it's like a lifetime risk of like 30 to 50 percent. So, if you have the mutation that you have, you're 80 to 90 percent likely up to, up up to, to okay, yes, up to up 80 to 90 percent chance lifetime, lifetime mm-hmm. likely to develop a breast cancer, and it goes up over time, right. And I mean, I had no idea. We don't have a lot of family history of Mm -hmm. breast cancer, at least on the side of the family that I probably have the genetic mutation. Okay. One of my mom's sisters had breast cancer, but that's not on the side of the family that I believe the mutation came from just based on hereditary ethnicity. My dad's side of the family is Ashkenazi Jewish, which Mm -hmm. is, it's very common in Ashkenazi Jews where it's not very common at all in the general population. So it was a surprise. And so I went in and I, I met with a breast surgical oncologist and the breast surgical oncologist, he gave me a few different options. One would be to have a prophylactic mastectomy. And I just, I wasn't ready for that step. And I right. don't know that I will be ever. That, that, um, that seems like a lot to do, doesn't yeah, it? it yeah. does. I understand people who might make that decision, mm-hmm. Absolutely. but it's still, it's a big one, right? It is, especially knowing that I didn't want to have breast implants. Right. And there are reconstruction options if you don't want implants, but they're a lot more invasive Mm -hmm. and the surgery is a lot more invasive. And I don't know, but it was the whole thing. And so I went with the surveillance route, which means that 
I have an MRI once a year and I have mammograms once a year. So every six months I have something. Okay. And then they do something similar for my ovaries as well. And the first MRI that I had, it came back that I had several masses. Oh gosh. And I bet you were just terrified. Yeah. Actually, I remember. Yeah. (laughs) Because you you were were a moderator by that point, right? Yeah. So you were sharing about it in the groups. Yeah. It was terrifying. The moderator groups. Yeah. And so how I scheduled it, because they have to schedule it in line with your cycle. Right. So how I had to schedule it was my mom was in town and it was like July 5th. Mm-hmm. So it was right after the 4th of July. And then I scheduled a surgery to get my breast implants out that next Monday. And so I had the MRI. I was the last appointment in. And after I had the appointment, I went to the pharmacy to pick up my medicine for my surgery. And I got a call from the radiologist while I was at the pharmacy telling me about these masses. And then I got a call from the plastic surgeon saying that we, we needed to postpone the surgery. And I mean, it was really scary. I bet it was. And they couldn't do the follow-up appointment for two weeks after. But that was another step where, I mean, for that two weeks, I was really terrified. And I started listening to the Chris Beats Cancer podcast. And what would I do if I had breast cancer? Because right. you didn't know. You were like, is this the, the moment in time where I'm going to find out that I do have breast cancer? I didn't. But mm-hmm. it was also another... Thing that made me really think about my body differently. Right. And I knew that if I did have breast cancer, I'd get, I, my plan would be, it'd probably be stage one. It'd probably be very early mm-hmm. and I would just get a mastectomy, but I would not get breast implants. I right. would get, re, I was looking at different reconstruction options. And, you were making a plan. Yeah. And well, here's the thing though, the reconstruction options, you have to have enough body fat to do them if you're not getting implants. And so I remember like feeling around my waist and saying, is this enough for an A cup? You know, (laughs) where I mean, like before I was like, man, I'm a little chunky here. But then when you think about it from that perspective, it just really made me, again, it made me think about my body differently. Right. And you know, my, look at what my body's done for me this far. Well, you know, when you're dealing with something that could be a potential, you know, life changing health event that you might not survive, honestly, you know, Mm -hmm. it's possible. You suddenly think about your body in a new way a new way. You're happy that your body can do the things you're asking it to do instead of like, Oh, how can I make my body smaller and working against my body, trying to be skinny. You're like, Oh my gosh, now suddenly health is the most important thing. The number one thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, it all worked out that thankfully it was not cancer, but you know, along the way, I mean, that mind shift had happened. And knowing that I have a high risk for cancer, everything I do, both from a healthcare perspective and how I approach different health decisions, right. healthcare decisions that I make, as well as diet and exercise and how I eat and personal care products that I use. You're going to love cleanish. Yes, I know. <laughs> I guarantee that I will. Well, I've chosen, I mean, I'm not going to get the prophylactic surgeries. Right. I can't change my genetic risk for cancer, but I can change anything else that would put me at high risk for cancer. So you've done a lot of research about yes. how to have the healthiest lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. And it's come down to what you're putting in mm-hmm. and on your body makes a difference. It does. It definitely does. Yeah. Definitely does. Yeah, I don't have the BRCA mutation because you know, I've done the genetic testing. I don't have it, but 
you know, we all want to make sure that what we're putting on and in our bodies gives us the best chance for health. So again, talk about some of the things that you've learned about what's important. You kind of just hinted at it, but in specific. Yeah. So over time, so finally I did get to have my breast implants out because okay, I knew, so that was when did you do that? That was recently. I just got to do that. And oh, because mean, of the pandemic, right? Learned, Is yeah, that why yeah. you had to wait? Exactly. And some of the things, okay, that I learned when it comes to cancer, it's, it's a lot of the same things that will cause people to hold on to weight too. But one thing that really does elevate your risk for cancers, high inflammation mm-hmm. in the body. So I really have made sure to be aware of how foods impact inflammation levels in my body, which is why, you know, I don't eat or I don't consume like highly processed oils, for example. And I eat very organic. And I had a lot of cognitive, for a long time, I had cognitive dissonance around the fact that I still drink alcohol for a really long time because I knew that it took a lot for me to make this decision. Right. It, it was a journey to get me there, especially through COVID, because I did a lot of after, you know, heavy, intense, scary times, after intense work days, after work cocktails by myself during right. COVID. Yes. Right. It took me a lot to get there. But I know that even if you, a woman who has three drinks a week increases her chance for breast cancer to up 15% to those that don't drink at all. And if you know that you have a mutation that makes your body more susceptible to breast Mm -hmm. cancer, you really don't want to do anything that you know is linked to an increased risk. Exactly, exactly. So recently, this was just this past March, I stopped drinking alcohol altogether. And, you know, I did so too with the mindset shift. I read This Naked Mind. Which I recommended also to you. You had read it before, but then I recommended it again because I had just read it. Exactly. Yeah. But because I chose, you know, I knew I changed my subconscious beliefs around alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe, though, that shifting into an intermittent fasting life cycle or lifestyle it really set me up for success with stopping drinking too, because I chose to do it. I have just as much fun in life without alcohol. I've gone on multiple girls trips, yep. alcohol free, and I just feel freer without it. And I feel better like right away when I stop drinking. I mean, I don't weigh myself, but I definitely noticed that my clothes fit differently about a month in. Mm-hmm. And I just felt better and I felt lighter. Well, we can absolutely attest to the fact that you can have a fun girls trip without alcohol because we've not been drinking at all. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, everybody, is turning me on to the whole idea of fabulous mocktails at restaurants. Exactly. I never had asked the bartender to whip up a mocktail. Mm-hmm. But we did that. We went to brunch. It was like a three o'clock brunch the other day. This wonderful place in Polly's Island called Local because people always want to know what I'm talking about. But in Polly's Island, it's a great restaurant. The name is local and they have brunch every day till three. Mm-hmm. So we crafted our day around, we wanted to make sure we got there before brunch was over and we sat down and Michelle said, we would like mocktails. What can the bartender do? And they just whipped something up. What was in it? Do you remember? And the first one wasn't as good. It wasn't as good as no. the second one, but it was still good. Was I really, good. I liked they it better like than you did. berries and maybe some bitters mm-hmm. and the bitters were good. Some the kind of berry. Yeah. Yes. The second one was good. Here's the trick. If you want a good mocktail, you want it to be a little spicier, bitter. Some bartenders will just make them really sweet. And that's not what you want. You want a little spice or a little bitter. That's so like a I've good learned. non-alcoholic, like a 
margarita, spicy margarita. margarita. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So last night I had a spicy pineapple margarita. And we tried alcohol-free wine. I mean, it was okay. It was okay. (laughs) It's not the best in the world. It's not like you're drinking wine. but And also, I've been very excited to discover here on this trip with Michelle that I do like non-alcoholic beer. Mm -hmm. I would never in a million years have thought to order that. It's probably the best non-alcoholic that you can get. Like like one that's like Mm -hmm. trying to be... Non-alcoholic wine is not like wine. That is true. Mm -hmm. It is not. But... Heineken 0.0 is the absolute best non-alcoholic beer. It really, you really do feel like you're drinking a beer. Yes. But it has no alcohol. Exactly. I also really like the hopped tea. If Mm -hmm. people like like a good hoppy beer, hop lark is excellent. And I like Lagunitas makes a hop water. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about those is they also have zero calories, zero gluten. So if you want something that's like really light and fresh, Alcohol-free beer still does have gluten, and for some people, it makes them feel heavier. Right. So I really like the hop tea, too. It's really good. It's I've never seen it. Where do you get it? They have it in Nashville. You have it at the Turnip Truck or Whole okay. Foods, okay. like any kind of organic food store. Trader Joe's has the hop water. You're just naming all the places we don't have in Augusta. I know. <laughs> we have I sprouts. Know. That is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they might would have it there. They have a lot they of good things do. there. What's it called? Hoppy? Hop. Tea. It's hop, hop lark. Tea. Okay. Hop lark. It's brewed in I think like Boulder, Colorado. That's okay. really good. Okay. Well, I've just been very pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying the non-alcoholic beer. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be disgusting. I was fully prepared to be like, no, this is not good. But I've now had like three different ones at three different restaurants down here, and you really do feel you get that same enjoyment of like I'm having this beverage yeah. here in the at the beach. Mm-hmm. But no alcohol, and then you feel so much better. Exactly. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> you never have a hangover ever yeah. again. That is true. It's the best. Yeah. I do love that. So you focus on organic foods. Yes. And just eating clean most of the time. I mean, I'm not going to, if I'm going out to a really great dinner, I mean, I usually do eat at restaurants that just have high quality food in general. Right. But I'm not going to say is this produce organic or at the restaurant? Yeah. yeah. Just like me, you're mm-hmm. clean ish. Clean ish. Exactly. Yeah. We've had some wonderful food. It was still the, the my favorite thing I've had so far. Do you well, let's both kind of compare notes and say what our favorite thing was so far? Mm-hmm. Mine was the burrata. Yeah, that brunch. burrata was amazing. Yeah, burrata. For anybody who doesn't know, I didn't know for a long time what it was. It's like mm-hmm. a mozzarella. That was very good. I love the tomatoes. The mm. pizza we had the first night yep. too was really good. And then the biscuit Benny was really good. Yeah. So though, for anybody who's good. ever in Surfside Beach, Surfside Beach, South Carolina, I'm re- we're really south of Myrtle. So when I say I go to Myrtle Beach, I'm not actually in Myrtle. I'm south of it. But it's a huge area and it's all considered Myrtle. If you're ever in Surfside, Pizza Hyena, that's where we went. Mm-hmm. And they have like a brick oven pizza. And you got to get the one. This is Guacward is the name of the pizza. Yes. It looks weird. And I keep trying to get people to get it. And everybody's like, no, I don't want that one. But finally this time, like, okay, you have to get this. I could tell that you liked that one the best. <laughs> and I believed you. And, and it you was my favorite. I did when you talk about that yeah. one. And you're like, I could really care less. I'm like, you, well, let's get that one. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, and you're I, right. I've never had one there I didn't like. Right. But that was my favorite. This is Guacward. It's like an avocado sauce. Mm-hmm. And then like 
pulled pork or something, pork carnitas kind of stuff. Anyway, it was really so good. good. Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> that was the best. So we've enjoyed ourselves through Myrtle Beach. But, you know, like right now we're recording this. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's a little rainy out there right now. So it was a good time to come in off the beach. Mm-hmm. And we haven't opened our windows yet. No. We're still lifestyle. We're going to go eat after we're done. We have 4.30 reservations like your grandma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. We're going to go eat at the um, sea captain's house. Mm -hmm. And have our our she crab soup. Yep. That's important. Amazing she crab soup. We're going to watch the ocean, even though it might be a little rainy out there. My favorite thing about the sea captain's house, for anybody who's ever been to Myrtle Beach and knows where it is, it is just one of the oldest restaurants. It's right there on the ocean, and it's been there since, I guess it's been a restaurant maybe since the 50s. It used to be a house before it was a restaurant, and they turned it into a restaurant. So it is really neat. I'm excited to go there. Yeah. So you no longer feel like you're fighting against your body. No. Talk about that. I don't. I don't. It just feels easy, you know? I would say it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different, it's just a mindset and lifestyle shift where before I felt like I needed to beat my body into shape. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like I listen to my body and I ask myself, how do different foods make me feel? And it's just a mindset of how can I best serve my body? And I mean, you're not going to fight against a body that you're trying to serve. You're just not. You're just not. That's right. And how does that look with how you move your body and and like the exercise mm -hmm. maybe that you used to choose versus the exercise that you choose now? Sure. So I used to be really into like high intensity interval training and I don't know, like kickboxing and... And you chose that why? Because I wanted to burn more calories. That's what I thought you'd say. (laughs) I just wanted to whip my body into shape where now knowing that I have this high cancer risk, I mean, I want to do something that I know is also really great for stress management, for mm-hmm. breathing. And so I've gotten really into more, I'd say a power flow yoga, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you get a great cardiovascular workout, but it's also strengthening and it's really great for stress management too, and breathing and flexibility. And I, I know it's an exercise that's also great when it comes to my goals when it comes to like lowering inflammation right. and everything else. I mean, sometimes I'll do some strength training too, but my I really do enjoy yoga probably more than anything else on my back porch. I'd say one thing that I'd bring up too is often in the groups when I was moderating, I noticed that I think when people took the approach of how can I whip my body into shape? I think sometimes it's easy to miss things. And for me, that was definitely true when it came to the breast implants, because I will tell you that since I got my breast implants removed, I immediately noticed a difference. In your levels of inflammation? Mm -hmm. Like, how could you tell? What did you notice specifically? Well, I'd say when I got them out within a, a couple of weeks, I was down a size in pants. Wow. And I mean, just overall inflammation levels, like my face looked less puffy. Also, my skin became much more clear Mm -hmm. just across the board. I felt like an overall level of less inflammation. I was less stuffy Mm -hmm. and my brain was less boggy. But I mean, this is consistent with a lot of the women that I know who've had breast implants. Right. You see some women who they'll lose like 15 pounds like this just from getting their breast implants removed. But if you think of it, 
they have like a ton of heavy metals and chemicals and everything else in them. And your body is constantly having to deal with that. Hence the high inflammation. I mean, if you think about when you get a splinter, how your finger will get all red. Right. If you have a splinter in your finger, I mean, think about that having something in your body that is foreign that your body just does not want there all the time. Your body's always fighting to get this thing out. It's like on alert, mm -hmm. high alert. And I definitely felt a difference after I got them out. That's amazing. You just really reduced inflammation and your body is able to kind of just relax and okay, thank you for taking care of that. Just heal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for all of us, there could be something. For you, you were able to pinpoint that it was your breast implants. For other people, you could have increased inflammation for multiple reasons. Exactly. It could be something that you're eating that doesn't agree with your body. It Mm -hmm. could be maybe your house has mold. It could be. There's so many things Mm -hmm. that it could be. And if if you recognize that you, you know, what are some of the signs? Like the puffiness. Mm -hmm. The puffiness, brain fog Mm -hmm. can be a thing. Also, like just overall stuffiness. Like if you know you're eating really clean and in a low inflammation diet, yet you're still seeing a lot of signs of inflammation, your eyes will be red like all the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, like if you're not someone who previously experienced a lot of breakout or acne, like skin conditions can be a thing too. Eczema, Mm -hmm. aches and pains too, like arthritis. I never had arthritis before I got breast implants. And all of a sudden I was having arthritis in my feet. Oh, wow. When I got them out, it went away. That's one reason too, I think intermittent fasting did help me a lot because I think it did help address some of that inflammation, you know, but it couldn't really get to the big inflammation driver. You couldn't get to where you really wanted to feel your best mm-hmm. until you got the breast implants removed. Yes. I think stopping drinking mm-hmm. and then getting my breast implants removed were like the two main game changers and really finding a better level of health. And I'm still detoxing from getting the breast implants out. I'm still, I mean, I still, I mean, I had them in for six years. Okay. So there still is heavy metals that I need to detox from my body. So would you go back in time and tell your six-year-old younger self not to do that? Mm-hmm. I think we both have things. We, yes. we Every person listening, we have things we'd like to go back and tell our younger self, don't do that. But now I'm telling anyone thinking about right. it. Don't do I, that. Don't do it. <laughs> really look into it. If I had to do it all over again, I just would have, I didn't like the shape of my breast. So right. I just fixed that. You can just get a breast lift. Right. And I Instead probably would have done that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. would have made a difference there. But now I have the breast I always, I always wanted. So you got so. the implants removed and a lift at the same time, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. You can't beat that. Mm-mm. You can't. <laughs> so you, I guess, found a community of people, mm-hmm. the breast implant community. Yes. And that really helped. Mm-hmm. It did. How can people find, you know, if there's someone listening and that there's got to be, Someone who's like, oh my gosh, you know, I never even connected those dots. I wonder if that could be it. How can they find a community connect to connect with? Or Yes. So on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I was. And there is a really good Facebook group called Healing Breast Implant Illness by Nicole. And you can find her website too. I think it's like healingbreastimplantillness.com or .org. But it's, you know, this woman who she first started really looking into all this stuff. And there's a bunch of women on that in that group. I bet now it's like definitely over 200,000. Wow. But I'm not in the group anymore. So yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> um, so health healing breast implant illness mm-hmm. 
on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure nowadays, I'm sure like almost everybody knows someone who's had issues with their breast implants. It's pretty common. You know, my grandmother, she had breast cancer when I was young and you know, we really didn't talk about it. Yeah. It was one of those things that I kind of was like, like whispers about it. And I really don't even know much about what she went through, to be honest, because I don't know, maybe it was taboo. Yeah. To really talk about back then. But I know she had implants. Yeah. And I know that, I do know that her health took a turn after that for the worst. Yeah. And I know that she did eventually have them removed. Did I ever tell you this before about my grandmother? So. Yeah. She so. eventually had them removed. But it was one of those things that I wish I could go back. Anybody who's listening, if you've still got your grandparents living, mm-hmm. go talk to them about things because you're going to wish you had talked to them about these things and one day, and you're going to be like, darn, why didn't I ask those questions of yes. my grandmother? And I have a lot of things I'd like to go back and ask my grandfather, too, mm-hmm. and yes. talk about. But she had those same problems. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely aware. Yes. And then the key is there are some things that if anyone is wondering or wants to get their breast implants removed, make sure to go to that group because how they do it is really important, too. The methods. You don't yes. just want to go to anybody and have them do it. No, if you go to any old plastic surgeon, they'll just say that they want to deflate your implants and take them out. But it's really important that they do a capsulectomy, that they take the capsules, which is the scar tissue that forms around the implants. They take it out with the implant because sometimes like that scar tissue is encapsulating any sort of toxic stuff that comes out from the implants. I Ooh. mean, they leach into your body. They right. really do. I mean, you should see mine now. It, I'm not going to show you them. You it's have disgusting. them? Yeah. Oh, gosh. One of them is discolored. I mean, there is definitely leaching into my body. They right. do. And the capsules will protect your body to some level, but you want to make sure to get those things out. And so you want a capsulectomy and you want a surgeon who will do that. And there's a whole list of surgeons on the site. I went to Dr. Tarola, who is exceptional in Murfreesboro. Okay. It's awesome. I mean, there's a few great surgeons in the Nashville area, but there's great surgeons all over the country Everywhere. who do this. Mm-hmm. And the doctor understood, like, why you wanted them out exactly. and was, like, right there with you and said, yep. Yes. He does more explant surgeries than implants now. Wow. Like, quite a few more. Quite a few more. Mm-hmm. And silicone? They're silicone? I had silicone, but mm-hmm. even the saline have silicone shells. Right. So there's many women who have a lot of issues with even the saline. Right. And I'll tell you in comparison with some of the other women that I met, I had much less issues than some of the worst issues that we saw in the group. Right. Right. But it was still enough that you noticed a difference. Could you tell right away six years ago when you had it done? Right away. Right. If you even look at a picture of me from before I had it till after, like my face just looks puffier. Yeah. I just look puffier. And I look like I've, I aged like five years in like a year. Wow. From having them in. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like night and day. It was crazy. That's amazing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've never, never ha- thought about having breast implants, but I definitely won't. Yeah. Well, now you know. <laughs> I definitely now won't. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So describe your intermittent fasting style or pattern to everyone. And also talk about how that's changed over time. Sure. So I've pretty much been pretty consistent from the beginning. For the most part, I've just found that one meal a day works for me the best. It works great with my lifestyle. I mean, I have a pretty intense job. So for me, actually, it's been great Mm -hmm. because it's great from a time management perspective. So what I do is I get up in the morning 
and I pour myself a cup of coffee or during the summer, I pour myself some cold brew and then I go out on my back porch and I spend some time out there just, you know, journaling and reflecting. And then I come in and I start my day and I, I work all day. And then usually if I open my window during the week at around six or seven, depending And I usually like to open my window with a smoothie and then I make myself a nice dinner. And Mm -hmm. I mean, during the week, my windows are much shorter, probably anywhere between like one, two hours, sometimes three. I don't really count anymore. And then during the weekend, sometimes I'll open my window earlier and close it earlier just because it works more with my lifestyle when I'm with friends. Mm -hmm. But one meal a day has consistently worked well for me. But over, I mean, when I first started fasting, I I did a few like even 72-hour fasts with the mindset of health with my cancer risk. Right. I've done some alternate day fasting as well. But one thing I found is I don't really sleep well to begin with and I really do get high levels of ketones and they keep me up when I'm yeah. in, when I'm in ketosis, I don't sleep well to begin with, and I really need to sleep for my job. So yeah. I don't do a lot of the alternate day fasting just because it doesn't work for my sleep. I really, th- that's so true for me. Even now, you know, when, the first day I was here at the beach last like, a week ago, when I got here, I had to do a lot of work because we're selling a condo and I had to move stuff. I had to, I'd move a lot of boxes and pack up two different kitchens and swap them basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) swapping two kitchens of stuff. But I didn't really have much time to eat. So I was just busy. I drove down here. Then I did all the work for hours. And then I had a really quick meal. My window was probably, I mean, 15 minutes Mm -hmm. that day. And then I just couldn't sleep. Yeah. Just yeah. from that. And so then I was like, darn it. That'll do <laughs> it. It'll do it. I was in deep ketosis because I had done a lot of physical activity and had a very short window. And so then the next day I opened it up, had a longer window, went and ate lunch. It was you know, probably two o'clock, a really mm-hmm. late lunch that day at a restaurant. And had a, I still had a lot of work to do. Then I felt so much better. Yeah. So I let that be a kind of a two-meal day. Yeah. And it, it felt better. So, but you no longer time your window or count it. Did you ever use an app? I did for a long time. I don't even know what the life app or whatever mm-hmm. forever. I just recently stopped counting it because I just felt like I didn't really need to anymore. But I did for a really long time. So I always like to ask, because it's interesting, were you a fast timer or a window timer? Fast. You were a fast timer. See, that's just so funny how so many people are, are fast timers. I was a window timer. Yeah. I always thought about it like the fast. How long you had fasted? Did, what was your goal? Did you have like a fasting goal? I like 20 hours. But okay. I mean, for me, the reason why I was fast timer is because I knew I'm like, ooh, like all this cool stuff that happens when your body is in ketosis. Right. And I thought about it that way too. So you wanted to make sure you got into those benefits. Like we know that mm-hmm. fat burning ramps up when you start getting past our 18 and our 19. So you wanted to take advantage of that. The heightened levels of human growth hormone exactly. and all that. Mm-hmm. Where I knew like some days I might have a longer window if I was on vacation. And I mean, I didn't really count the window. I counted yeah. more the length of the fast. You see, I was the opposite, which people probably yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I counted my window time because I would tend to have a window that would just creep too long. Oh, yeah. See, I never really did. And when I do have one that's too long, I don't want to feel bad about it. Right. Oh, like, yeah. You definitely don't want to feel bad. I don't want to worry about that. So I just yep. 
That's well, true. I do not worry about it on vacation, which no. is great. As we were like eating cake last night. What time was it? Nine o'clock. <laughs> we had a very busy day yesterday. First of all, we had to swim in the ocean. Mm-hmm. That was important. Then we had to go shopping at the outlet mall. Yeah, it's also very important. And then by the time we ate, we went to another wonderful restaurant, Hook and Barrel. Isn't mm-hmm. it Hook and Barrel? Yeah, yeah, it's one I love. The owner of Hook and Barrel won like a chef award for South Carolina and she's got a cookbook. I can't think of her name, but I love to eat there. So we didn't eat. What time was it when we rolled in there? Mm. Like 6 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Probably about six. And then after that, we went to Total Wine for a non-alcoholic We bought some. We stocked up on Heineken (laughs) (laughs) 0.0. That was so funny where you're like, where is your non-alcoholic beer? And the guy just looked at us. I mean, you know, mm. <laughs> they had a great section of Total did. Wine. Quite a lot. And then non-alcoholic came back. wine. Yeah, we came back and drank, was it Cabernet? Non-alcoholic Cabernet? Mm-hmm. Angie's list is now Angie. And we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was better than I thought it'd be. Right. Actually. But then we had cake. We, we split mm-hmm. one piece of cake that we had gotten. Also, Hook and Barrel has wonderful like pastries because they have this other part where Michelle did not get to go. I've been several times. Um, it's called Croissants. Mm-hmm. And it's like attached to the same building. And they have brunch and lunch. And it's really good. I took my sister there when we were here in April. Mm-hmm. It's such a good brunch. So I can tell everybody the very best places to eat up and down the coast. Yes, me too. Me Although too funny story, we did ask the guy, I got a sign for my house and uh-huh. he was here installing <laughs> the sign and he's a local. So I said, can you tell us the places you like to eat? He does not like to eat the same kind of places no. I like to eat. No, you know pretty quickly. <laughs> you know pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all the places he suggested, we will not be going to. No, but <laughs> we're not buffet eaters. No, no, no. But if you're looking for a really good buffet, he told us a place you could go get that. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't really like a buffet because it never feels window worthy to me. It's never good quality. It yeah. has to be good quality. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. For so sure. That, that was funny, but. Everyone is just so nice. That's what I love. They are. Everybody here. Everybody Mm -hmm. here. We've met some good friends along the way. We really have. Everybody's got the vacation mode feeling, even the people who live here, Mm -hmm. which is what I like about it. And everybody we've met pretty much lives here, too. You're right. That is true. Uh We're, you know, we're here. It's, this episode comes out, so people might be really confused when they're hearing it, when we're talking about getting in the ocean and swimming, because this episode comes out December 2nd, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we are recording it in August. So mm-hmm. it's the, the ocean is so warm to get in and it's just beautiful. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people move here from somewhere else. Yes. We've met people who moved here from New York, people who moved here from Ohio. Mm-hmm. 
Boston. Boston, that's right. Yep. So it's been really, really fun. So is there anything you struggle with with intermittent fasting? Well, okay. So when I first started fasting, and this is something that I saw be consistent for a lot of people, is for the first month or so, this is something that I saw a lot, not just with me, but there is this transition period when you first start. And I mean, the first thing is switching, you know, physically into a fasted state. And I think that that's probably the easiest part, honestly, you know, the physical transition transition is the easiest part, but then there's two other things that I've noticed that also take a transition. And one of those shifts that needs to take place is the habit shift. Oh yeah. And I remembered when I first started fasting, I was used to, before I started fasting, I'd always sit down at my kitchen table and I'd have breakfast, you know, it was like my habit and I was used to that habit. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the habit shift, one thing that I found to be really helpful with that is I still like during the year when it's cold out during the winter, I'll still sit down at my kitchen table, but with my coffee. Right. And I replete, I still have that habit of sitting down at my table and taking some time for me. And that really helped with that habit shift. Yeah, that is something we hear from a lot of people that some people struggle with the opposite end of the day, the end of the day habits. Mm-hmm. So they'll, you know, they'll have intended to close their window, like maybe let's say seven o'clock, but they're used to sitting in front of the television and munching. Yes. And so they have a hard time well, what am I going to do when I'm sitting in front of the television if I'm not having a snack? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Or drinking wine. Right. Whatever oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. For me, the closing the window wasn't hard. I actually really liked having that boundary of, mm-hmm. okay, window's closed. But it was like in the morning, I loved sitting down and having breakfast because it was my time to kind of ramp up for the day. So finding something else that I really enjoyed that was mm-hmm. for me at that time which I do every morning and I look forward to, and it's great. So that's been the habit shift. Then the other thing that I think is really key is the other trigger that a lot of people have for eating, which is emotional. Yeah. And I didn't think I really had that, but I do. I mean, I will (laughs) tell you how I knew I did. And I think it's just helpful to be aware of it. Right. But when I first started fasting, I had some stuff going on at work and they'd hired this new manager and let's just say that I had a few little episodes where I just would get off the phone with her and I was a little angry. Right. And I remember one where I got off the phone with her and I walked into my kitchen and I opened up the pantry and I was like, why am I opening up the pantry? It's not time to eat. I'm like, why am I wanting to eat right now? Right. And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm angry. Right. Because I'm angry. And then just sitting down and acknowledging that. And I think it helps. A lot of people just try to white knuckle it away. But I think in my experience, it helps when you have an emotional trigger to eat when it's not time to eat. Acknowledging it and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm triggered to eat. And I know it's not time to eat. I'm not eating out of habit. But I'm eating because I'm filling an emotional void right now. Sitting down and asking yourself, what am I feeling right now? And why am I feeling it? Mm-hmm. And like working through the emotion, that really helped me personally. Yeah. I know we mm-hmm. get into the habit of like numbing our emotions with something. It could be food. It could be alcohol. But suddenly when you're doing intermittent fasting, your window is closed and you're not intending to open it. You have to figure out another way to deal with those emotions exactly. rather than numb them away. Yes. And so taking the time to sit down and acknowledge them sit with them for a few minutes, 
Mm-hmm. That's huge because you're right. We have all probably been there where we're opening the pantry or opening the fridge mm-hmm. to soothe that or feeling. Because you're bored. I yep. mean, that's kind of an emotion too, or what? I mean, and there are days like last week. I had a really hard Friday. Mm-hmm. It was just hard, and I opened my window early because I wanted to soothe. I did, and that's okay. And I was okay with it. I knew you thought I was about opening it. Opening my window early. Yep. I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I was okay with it. I had a good cry and that was okay. Yeah. I mean, this is not an easy world we're living in right now. And I think it's also important to have grace with yourself and not beat yourself up. And you didn't beat yourself up or think you failed and it was okay. Mm -mm. And sometimes that's what you do. I said, I know I'm sad. I know I'm upset and I know I'm going to open my window and I'm going to eat early because I'm sad and I'm upset. And Mm -hmm. I did. And, and that was, was all right. I love okay. that. You gave yourself the grace to do it. Mm-hmm. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? So I think I'd go back to what we talked about earlier on mm-hmm. in the episode. I mean, I've shared a lot, but I think the most important thing that anyone can do when they're first starting out is I want you to ask yourself, are you doing intermittent fasting with the intent of how can I make myself smaller? Am I approaching this lifestyle like a diet? Am I trying every day when I get up and I'm trying to fast and when I'm choosing what to eat, am I doing so with the intent to make myself smaller? Because if you are, I'm telling you, those are the people in the group who we see leave the group or stop fasting Mm -hmm. and give up the lifestyle and not really ever see the benefits that this lifestyle can bring to you. And you know, your body is smaller. It is. Smaller. So it's okay. It's definitely smaller. You, you know, will. It's okay to have a goal that you would like to be a healthy weight. Absolutely. But Absolutely. you don't want to fixate on the size of your body as the only thing. I think that shifting the mindset to mm-hmm. not say, because you see people just beat themselves up. Right. Like, how can I lose weight? How can I lose weight? Oh my gosh, I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing enough weight. Oh my right. God. And I was that person. I was definitely that person. But once I said, do you know what? Like the weight loss is going to come, but the only way it's going to come is if I really serve my body. Right. It's like, how can I serve my body? How can I best heal my body? How can I give my body what it needs? Right. Not how can I not eat enough? in order to right. lose weight, yep. it's like, actually, how can I give my body what it needs to heal it? And then the weight loss will come. Exactly. Exactly. So it's okay mm-hmm. to have weight loss as your goal. It certainly was Absolutely. for me. It was for you. And it was for me. And, you know, as we lose weight, that also helps us decrease our inflammation levels. You know, my allergies went away after, exactly. after I lost, you know, 80 pounds. And that is a great thing. And I love moving through life in a smaller body. Mm-hmm. That is also strong and healthy, but I could make my body smaller. I don't have, you know, the washboard abs mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Every I, day I want to serve my body well. I think it's just the mindset shift of how can I serve my body right. versus how can I just keep on losing weight? How can I lose weight? How right. can I lose weight? How can I lose weight? Because that's where I think it's really easy to get in this cycle of deprivation that actually is not serving your body and it's going to do the opposite in the end. Well, and it's because you also want to feel good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like for you and for me, I'm not completely alcohol-free. You've been completely alcohol-free since March. But 
I drink a lot less. Mm-hmm. And for the first time now, you know, it's ever since 2015 um, when I hit my goal. And really 2000, 2016 when I started clean fasting, that really was when really everything really did change was 2016. But ever since then, I've had more of the mindset of what makes me feel good. Exactly. Instead of, because I didn't need to lose any more weight. So instead of how can I, what can I do to lose more weight? Everything I did prior to really 2016, really, everything I did was how can I lose more weight? Yes. And then post 2016, so for five years now, I've lived in the space of what can I do to make me feel really good? Mm -hmm. And it's a whole different way of moving through life. Yes. And that was where the drinking less really came into play because I feel so much better. Yes. And it's kind of that longevity mindset. Right. And mm-hmm. you'll naturally lose weight when right. you do approach your lifestyle in that manner. It's true. And you'll still get to eat delicious food, but you won't be eating crappy diet food, which is disgusting. Exactly. And exactly. actually probably more inflammatory for your body. That's true. I think about all those things that came in pouches and bags and mm-hmm. the calorie count was right there on there. Mm-hmm. That food was a whole lot more inflammatory than this avocado I've got in the fridge that I have no idea what the calorie count is on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't care. Exactly. I don't care. I know that there's good nutrients in it. Exactly. Don't count calories, count nutrients. If you That's what your body anything. does. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. And everybody, we're going to go eat a delicious early bird dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And have a great evening. But thank you so much for taking some time out of our wonderful trip to talk to me. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.